Greetings, my name's Adam Draycott. Uh, you're watching the online ministry from Inverell Anglican Church. Uh, this is being prepared for the 11th of February, 2024. Our sentence of scripture comes from Psalm 31. It says, Lord, be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Let's spend some time giving praise to our Saviour. As we come to the ministry of God's Word, our Bible readings come from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3, Psalm 100, and our preaching passage comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 21 to 45. 
Let's pray. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us that we may in such a way hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you've given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to read for us a portion of our preaching passage uh, from Mark chapter 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Every announcement has an impact. A bomb drops, shock waves follow, uh, which ripple through space and time. Things happen, don't they? And sometimes the fallout is good and other times not so good. Uh, how about the fallout from these kinds of announcements? Dad, I've got my school report. We're pregnant. I've got my learners. We got a puppy. I rolled the tractor. We're getting married. I have cancer. And I'm off to uni. The bombshell drops and the shock waves ripple through our lives. Last week was the big announcement. A bomb was dropped. It's an amazing announcement that changes everything. It is the good news of Jesus. What follows then are the aftershocks of this wonderful announcement. And as we read through uh, the rest of Mark chapter 1, we will see them, these aftershocks, reverberate through people's lives. Here's the first one, verses 21 and 26. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And just then a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him 
with a shriek. We know about the mafia. The criminal underworld is there. We might not understand it, but we know it exists. The criminal underworld that uses power for corrupt gain. Here is an underworld, a spiritual underworld. This evil spirit brings with him filth, impurity, corruption, deceit, damage, and the very rottenness of the grave. And Jesus is teaching in the synagogue and people are loving it. And this unclean spirit interrupts and dares to antagonize Jesus, I think. What do you want with us, Jesus? Destroy us, Jesus? Yeah, I know who you are. Do we see the unholy face off against the Holy One of God? I mean, how on earth is that going to go? Verse 25. Be quiet. Come out of him. Shut up. Get out. They're the words. I wonder what you make of the reaction of Jesus. Is it not unlike, you know, can you imagine Adolf Hitler speaking on behalf of Winston Churchill and bearing some kind of witness to him? Uh, no way. No way. That's not on. And so too, a demon speaking Bearing witness to the Holy One of God. No, uh, uh, no, you don't get to do that. You will be quiet. You will get out. And so Jesus is stern. It's almost over before it begins. And so here is the reverberation. Jesus has authority and power over everything, even the spiritual realm of the underworld. And we go, so what? Is it relevant for us today? I mean, Eastern cultures practice ancestor worship. Increasingly so in our culture. In Rukunjiri, Uganda, witch doctors still do uh, a big trade. And what about a dear sweet country town like Inverell? Well, our local, a local venue just over the way there, invites you to get your family and friends together and have an evening with a psychic medium, did you know? And for $45, the ad says, your loved ones in heaven, future lovers and babies are excited to share with you. I've met plenty of people who've had weird supernatural experiences, um, really scary stuff. Look again at Mark chapter 1. Look again and see who Jesus is. See that he is good news and see that we have been delivered from this kind of stuff. And because we've been delivered, we don't go anywhere near it. It's demonic. It's evil. It's wicked. But also see the great comfort that there is no sphere of life that falls outside of Jesus' power and authority, including the spiritual underworld. Now, how do the people respond? Verse 27. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, 
What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. I bet it did. Now that's the first shockwave. Here's the second. See that the domain of Jesus' power even extends to mother-in-laws. It's fun. It's, it's true. It's right there in verse 31. I love my mother-in-law. She lives six hours drive away. Both statements are true. Nothing further needs to be said. Uh, and hello, Auntie Angela, if you're watching. Uh, g'day from Adam and Tanya and the kids. Hope you're doing well. Look at verses 29 to 31. Verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. It's Peter's mother-in-law. He had a mother-in-law, he had a wife. And what is her response to Jesus? Well, it's there in verse 31. The fever, fever left her hand and she went off and she played bingo for the afternoon. That's what she did. No, what does she do? She's been healed and now she's serving. Such is the impact Jesus makes. And of course, Jesus is delighted because he gets a feed. Everybody wins. Jesus is good news. There is nothing in this world that lies outside his power and scope and authority, whether it's the realm of the spiritual underworld or the realm of the mother, uh, sorry, realm of the sick. But the shockwaves continue. Verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. It's not, they don't get to bear testimony, right? And so the Sabbath is over. Do we see people now clamouring to meet Jesus? Verse 33. The whole town is gathered at the door. Uh, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. So there, there's a manhunt. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. See the people lining up, droves of them, and we know why. I mean, we've all sat in a doctor's waiting room, haven't we? I mean, sometimes you can have a town meeting in those places. You walk in, you know everybody. And people still ask, hey, how are you? Good to see you. And you're like, well, not if it's in a doctor's surgery, it's not. People want relief, don't they? And these people certainly do. But here, Jesus offer a correction. Look at verse 38. Jesus replied, can we go somewhere else? Let us go somewhere else to a nearby village so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Why has Jesus come? He has come to preach. 
I mean, remember in verse 21, Jesus was in the synagogue and what did he do that was so, so amazing? Verse 22, the people were astonished at his teaching. Remember the scene where the unclean spirit is cast out? What did people actually say after that? Verse 27, they're all amazed. What are they amazed at? The teaching of Jesus with authority. And by the way, did you see what he did with that evil spirit? So do we see where the focus is in these stories? The focus is not on the miracles. The focus is not on the spectacular. The focus is on the teaching of Jesus and his words and his teaching with authority. So let me say again, verse 38, Jesus replied, Let us go on to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. This is why I have come. Don't miss that. Jesus is not about pulling a crowd to show off. Jesus is not about celebrity and popularity and some kind of shallow, temporary rock star following that comes and goes, fades away. I mean, Jesus will meet these individual needs and the immediate needs, such as his compassion. Don't not hear that. But it's not the why. The paramount thing for Jesus is preaching the good news. It's these words. And why is that? Well, because the good news is good news. Jesus wants people everywhere to know and understand that he is the good news. That we would know him and as we find him here in these pages. That Jesus is the good news that we all desperately need. See, it's kind of like this. If I go out hunting and I'm looking for footprints, I'm looking for evidence, soil that's been turned up or busted fences and it's all evidence my quarry, the object I'm seeking, has been there. And here, here in these pages, it's not damage that we find, okay? Don't need that. No, it's the opposite. It's the kingdom of God come near. This is the curse undone. These miracles, these reverberations, this is evidence that Jesus was here. And so don't just settle for the footprints. Don't just settle for clues. The encouragement is to be seeking the person of Jesus and to grab a hold of him. Hear what he says, that he is the object of faith. And so we see that he has power over the spiritual underworld, yes. He has power over sickness, yes. He speaks his words into every sphere of life. Yes, with power. Yes. And even over the power of death, which is the next story. Here we see a leper unclean. His skin is literally dying on his bones. And he is like a living, walking corpse. Because a cure is akin to raising the dead. And so verse 41 uh, Look at verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. 
I am willing, Jesus said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Here is a picture of Jesus bringing life where death reigns. Here again is the good news, the power of Jesus. And so we go, this is a great story. Can anything be too hard for Jesus? And this is where I say, isn't Jesus completely and utterly trustworthy, right? Isn't Jesus lovely, right? Can I get an amen to that? Of course, did you see Jesus' reaction? In verse 41, Jesus was indignant. Which is a polite way of saying Jesus is really, really peeved off. What's he upset about? Is it the implied doubt? I mean, of course Jesus is willing. Or is Jesus indignant about the curse and this disease? I mean, we so many questions. Verse 43, when Jesus sends him away, he actually literally throws the leper out. And then verse 44, it's with a strong warning. One, don't tell anyone. Two, go show yourself to the priest at the temple. I mean, this is awkward. We read this and think it's happy, but actually as we scratch a little bit underneath, we realise it's not a happy, joyful scene. It's, it's really awkward. And it's about to get worse. And maybe, and maybe here is where we see the source of Jesus' indignation. Because the leper, he's told not to tell anyone by Jesus. That's clear. But he goes and does exactly that. Verse 43, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places. Here is a recipient of mercy, who goes and does the opposite of what Jesus asked him to do. Here is a recipient of grace that now goes and acts contrary to the Lord's instruction. Does that sound like anyone you know? I mean, we would never do that, would we? Here is the application. Is it possible that we become so absorbed in our own good, in our own blessed circumstances, like this leper is, that we become deaf to the words of Jesus Christ and deaf to his actual mission? We take from Jesus and we take and we take. But the listening part, the listening to his words, the obedience part, yeah, not so much. I mean, it's the same mistake as the crowds here. Take, 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 and move on. I'll take the healing, but don't worry about the healer. I'll take forgiveness, yet still cultivate a bitter root in my heart. I'll take his cleansing but I'll still use my mouth for wickedness and unclean talk. 
I'll take his kindness every day of the week. But don't ask me to care about injustice. I've got the Holy Spirit. My body is a temple for the Lord. But sexual impurity? Yeah, whatever. And we are so good at this. And we are so self-deceived. We are so blessed. Yet we are so obstinate and disobedient and proud. Why are we proud? Well, we're just so good at self-justification. I mean, here, here's some self-justification. I mean, oh, Adam, who could blame this leper? I mean, this is a happy moment for him. He's suffered for so long. His life has changed. This is a good thing. How could he not? Just let him be. Have some compassion. Show him, show him some love, Adam. And let's face it, the walk to Jerusalem, Adam, you know, asking to walk two whole weeks to the temple from Galilee, give the guy a break. Just got his life back. Is that how it goes? I mean, it's very easy to do, isn't it? I just did it. It's very easy to accommodate good intentions and our idea of what we think is good. Actually, we're accommodating sin. Because we think we decide what is best and we think we know what is good. We dress things up and make them look better than they are with words like, oh, good intentions and compassion and even love. Because it doesn't matter. Everybody's happy, right? I just want to check. He's disobeying Jesus, a direct command. Are you actually okay with that? Because if you're okay, man, you've got lots in common with a leper. And you've got lots in common with a crowd. And it reminds me of that couple way back in the garden who decided that their idea of good trumped everybody else's idea of what was good, including the Lord God. And isn't this where our hearts are exposed? And isn't this what we do all the time? This is what we do with disobedience and sin. And so we need to repent. We are right to ask, what was the intention of Jesus? Well, the intention was that this cleansed leper would go and bear witness before the priests at the temple. Those priests at the temple who would later in Mark's gospel demand this kind of evidence. Go show them. Go show them now. Get walking. Go show them this new thing that God is doing. Show them the evidence. And if it's met with unbelief on their part, well, their guilt and condemnation will be self Evident. Here is evidence that will, would otherwise stand to accuse them if they reject it. On Tuesday night Bible study, someone observed, Adam, we've seen this demonstration 
of Jesus' scope and power and authority. We meet the leper, but it just Jesus lets it happen, and you know the, the, the demons aren't let, uh, are silenced, but not this guy. He won't be silenced. Why? It's really striking. Yeah, yeah. It's a strong contrast, isn't it? But but what do we take Jesus for? I mean, it's not like Jesus is going to come along and do a Jedi mind trick on the leper, is he? He's not going to say, hey, leper, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Or in this case, hey, leper, don't go and talk to just anyone. Go down to Jerusalem and show yourself to the priests. I mean, that would be easy for Jesus to do that. And of course, that would make us robots. For all of his power and authority, Jesus doesn't do that to us. He doesn't do it to the leper, not the crowds and not the priests in Jerusalem. He could. And so we're reminded all of us are moral agents. We're still responsible for our choices. And because we're still responsible for our choices, then there is a reminder. <laughs> Man, a reminder of my guilt and your guilt probably that we need to be cleansed. We desperately need to come, keep coming back to the gospel. And we need to keep coming back to the gospel with submission and humility. Keep coming to the Lord and saying, sorry, I keep getting it wrong. I'm so proud. Father, forgive me for not living like Jesus is king. I mean, Jesus is the king. And he's a good king. And I need to trust that this good king knows what is better for me. So I've got to trust him, this Jesus who is so powerful, this Jesus who speaks so powerfully, this Jesus who loves you so powerfully, that he will walk to Jerusalem, won't he? He'll do the walking and he will stand accused before those priests. Uh, this is the powerful one we meet here in chapter one that made himself powerless on a cross, emptied himself of everything. Died, a, died on the cross for us so that we might be forgiven. So that you and I can be right with God and right with each other. Don't forget that. So brothers and sisters, be encouraged, be rebuked, be encouraged. And my prayer continues to be that the love of Jesus would make all the difference in the world to you. that a love for his word would saturate our lives, that we would not just be merely listeners of his word, but we would actually do what it says. That the presence of Jesus in our life would fill us and shape us and transform us and grow us in Christ Jesus and that God would be glorified as God is glorified here. And so, brothers and sisters, may Jesus ripple through our lives, all our days, as we love God and as we seek to love one another. Because his coming doesn't make no difference. Amen. Uh, let me pray. Father, in response to your word, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you 
that as Jesus comes, we see your kingdom draw near as the curse unravels and it is undone in people's lives. Father, we thank you and praise you for all that Jesus has done for us on the cross, his victory over sin and death and evil. We thank you, Father, that Jesus is the risen King, that there is indeed nothing outside of his scope and power. And so, Father, we pray for us. Help us to respond in repentance and faith. Grow us in Christ Jesus that we would be conformed more and more to the likeness of your Son, Jesus, with all humility and submission and selflessness and a desire to serve and reach out to others. Father, grow us in Christ, that you will be praised and glorified. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Surely on the 